I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 13 of the Parenting Aces podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I'm so thrilled to be back for another season of great conversation, great learning opportunities, and meeting new people through the podcast. It has been such a fun journey so far, and I know season 13 is going to be another great year. Today, I have two amazing coaches who happen to be based in Florida. Todd Whittem and Robert Gomez are going to be talking with us about gaming the rankings and and gaming the ratings. And I know all of you are very familiar with USTA rankings and ITF rankings and WTN and UTR. And everybody's always looking for a shortcut. How do I get my kid to that next level? What do they need to do to move up. And so I'm really excited to have these two gentlemen to talk to us about what it means to game the system. Is there really even a way to game the system? And what are the benefits or the costs of trying to do that? And all of this kind of emanated from a video that I watched from Daryl Cummings, who is one of the masterminds behind UTR. And he talked about this exact subject. And and I will have a link to his video in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So I hope you'll check that out. But meanwhile, um, I hope you enjoy this episode. I am so grateful to you for coming back for another season of the Parenting Aces podcast and looking forward to a great year of conversation. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this chat with Todd Whittem and Robert Gomez. Hi, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Robert, it's your first time here. I'm so thrilled to meet you and so happy to have you and Todd kicking off season 13. Before we jump into our conversation today about how to game the ratings, I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell the Parenting Aces audience a little bit about yourself and your life in tennis. Okay. Well, listen, thank Lisa, thank you so much for having me. It's a thrill to be on. Uh, I've heard so much about the podcast and everything that you've done over like the, what is it, like almost 10 years now? And, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> 13. Okay. And to 13. be here with Todd, who's who's doing so many great things and uh, junior development uh, is, is really a lot of fun for me. So thanks for having me. Um, so, wow, I've been in the uh, player development business for better part of 35 years. Uh, mostly here in South Florida. Did a little stint in Colorado for about five years, which was a lot of fun. Um, I'm the chair of the Florida Coaches Commission, where we identify a lot of young players between the ages of 11 and 13, uh, select them for different sectional camps, regional camps, national camps, uh, help put that together for USTA National for Team USA. That's a lot of fun. Uh, Got a pretty strong after-school program that I run, a couple of homeschoolers as well that we work with. Um, here in Cora Gables. Uh, I've been at the Biltmore in Cora Gables now for about 18 years. So pretty good run. And, um, and now I'm the junior orange ball tournament director for the 14s and 12s division for the first time. So I'm really excited about that as well. So this we're recording this before junior orange bowl but this is going to air after junior orange bowl so we're definitely going to have to do a follow-up and hear how the tournament went for you and how the experience of running 
that level of tournament um, went for you. And I'm sure the Parenting Aces audience will have a lot of interesting things and comments about that too. So that'll be fun. Um, And and I do want to dig into the player ID um, facet of what you're doing as well, because I think that will be very interesting to hear the different factors that you look at when recommending players to come in and and train and at that high level. So um, we'll get back to that in a few minutes. Todd, just because it's a new season and maybe we have some new listeners who don't know you, who have, you know, had their head in the sand for the past 12 years. um, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thanks again for having me on the podcast, Lisa. Uh, I met Lisa by writing articles when I first started my coaching business a whole bunch of years ago. And I've been a regular on your podcast. So thanks very much. But uh, just a little bit about myself. I was born and raised here in South Florida. Um, I went to the University of Miami, which is right down the street from where Robert runs his great programs. Um, You know, did, did okay in amateur tennis, did okay at UM. And then I played on the tour for six years, actually played one of Robert's tournaments in Colorado. So that was great. And, uh, you know, I've played Robert's tournaments growing up as well. And so now, you know, for the last 13 years in South Florida, I've been running um, a program, a system where, you know, I take in kids that want to be elite or they're elite already and they want to use their tennis skills to go to a tremendous college or maybe a pro career. Um, It's structured a little bit different than Robert's uh, program, I would say, because we don't have after school. The kids are all online. And, uh, and they're trained and groomed by myself and as well as two of the coaches that trained and groomed me during my amateur and pro career. So, yep, that's what I do on a daily basis. And, you know, and Robert and I had a very nice discussion this morning about tennis. And so now we're back to talk about some more tennis. So it's great. I love it. And sorry about all my fidgeting. I'm having a bit of an audio issue on my end. It's, it is on my end, but I think I fixed it now. Um, so. The title of this episode is How to Game the Ratings, and I chose this title for a few reasons. One is I have so many conversations with parents about, you know, how do I choose tournaments so my kid's UTR will go up, or, you know, my kid plays great in practice but doesn't play great in tournaments and their UTR isn't a true reflection of the level of player they are. And and I feel like we have gotten so consumed with all these ratings and rankings to the detriment of overall long-term player development. And so I'm hoping that you two coaches who have been in the trenches for plenty of years now and worked with plenty of players can help parents understand how best to use these ratings and what do they truly mean and what are the best ways for families to maximize their child's development so that they reach their full potential by the time they graduate high school. So Robert, I'm going to start with you. And I want to just ask you, in your opinion, what is the role of a rating or a ranking? Yeah. Well, I think that its primary uh, function originally was to help college coaches 
uh, be able to get a better idea as to what the level of the player would be if they were, let's say, fifth in France or 18th in Argentina versus 22 in the U.S., right? There's really no easy way to look at it and figure out, okay, well, what does that mean by by a ranking standpoint? So by coming up with a, a rating system, it gives you a pretty good idea especially once you've been around it as long as much as we have, that if you say that this boy is 17 years old and he's an 11 UTR or he's a 15 WTN, got a pretty good idea of where they're at level-wise, right? So that's at least going to get a college coach to whether I want to at least take a look at this kid and put him on my radar or not, you know, because if you're at UVA and you're not at least a 12, then they're probably not going to take a look at you, right? I mean, if you're a 10, 5, 10, 8, 11-2, probably not going to make the starting lineup, and you're probably not even going to be on the bus, right? Um, but for Purdue, that could be right in their sweet spot, what they're looking for. Um, but the UTR or the WTN is not going to tell a coach everything that he wants to know about the player. It's just going to put them on the radar. Then from there, they would have to take a look at you know, how coachable they are, where are they playing, where are they competing, where are they getting their, you know, their, their competition at, and see if that's something that fits with the the program that they have. So that's what I would think is the primary role, why it was created originally. Why would a junior use it? Maybe as motivation, inspiration to kind of compare themselves. It's like a good way for them to maybe track to see if they're truly improving or not. Parent could use it for, you know, for that purpose as well. Um, but not, not to get, you know, not to digress into too many things, but me personally, I'd say delete the app off your phone because I think there's just way too much emphasis being put on it. And it's a, as a tournament director, I probably run one solid tournament a a month. We just did a level four this past weekend. And I've already got emails from a parent, you know, saying that the score was reported six, one, six, six, two, six, three, when the fact the score was really six, one, six, three, can I, can I make that adjustment because it'll reflect on the UTR. And I'm like, wow. That one game, you really think that that's going to make that much of an impact on your player's UTR. And this was like the very next day. And that's just one example. I could give you so many more where players and parents are just way too consumed. Oh, what was that kid's UTR? Oh, I went four and five and that kid was a nine. But you lost, right? So, okay. I mean, I guess if that softens it a little bit for you, because that kid's got a really good UTR, you're trying to impress me by saying that you went four and five with the kid that's a nine and you're an eight, two or something like that. Okay, great. But I don't really want to hear about that. I want to hear about how you played, how did you perform? Did you meet the goals that you had, the things that we've been working on in the last couple of weeks? How did those things come out, you know, in the match? Were you able to implement those things versus what the score was, what the outcome was? I think that there's just too much being, uh, too much emphasis being placed on what the outcome is versus the performance, which is really what's going to determine those outcomes later. Yeah, absolutely. Todd, before we started recording, um, we were talking about academies and junior coaches and systems, um, to use your term, that use ratings in order to either accept players into their program and or to put them in groups. And I would love to hear your take on the usefulness of that um, or not usefulness of that as the case may be and what your kind of philosophy is around how to put players on a court 
once they're training with you? Sure. So, you know, really how I was brought up with uh, two Argentine fellows in, in South Florida that, that were producing a lot of great players was that you know, they, they didn't group on level. I mean, it was, as we say, there were no princes and princesses, right? Everybody trains with everybody. We're all here to help each other get better, right? And so, you know, as, as I've been coaching now for 13 years, the only thing in my mind is really, how am I going to help that player get better, right? I'm not grouping based on UTR. I, you know, in, in, in my mind, as well as the others that work with me, you know, we know what each student needs to work on, right? And and I put and I trained with plenty of players that that were you know that were beneath me and everything. And and so what what I wanted to do as a player, I wanted to pull these players with me to get better with me, and we can help each other. And we can do this, right? And and there was really no no separation. I mean, when you know, in my program, I mean, the two things that that I look for in any student that we're going to take on as as a visitor or maybe a full-timer is that do they work well with others and are they here to work really hard and at a very high standard that's it that's all i ask right and so you know i'll take on any player that that can really meet that criteria um so you know when i start hearing you know the separation and you have to be this utr or that utr i kind of cringe a little bit because you know i was really never brought up you know with with you know that that going on it didn't exist Right. Robert, when you are working with kids, how important or is it even of any importance what their rating, ranking, et cetera, is? Or what criteria are you considering when you are looking at someone to bring in to work with you? Right. So when I get a phone call from a parent of a player that I'm not familiar with, right, and they say, um, you know, Johnny would like to get in your program. He's heard good things about you. What's one of the first questions I'm going to ask them is, are they a competitive player? If they're talking about the competitive program, obviously. And when they say yes, I said, okay, well, where are they level-wise, right? Just so that I get an idea because we have three different programs for kids that can compete. And I want to make sure that I'm at least steering them in the right direction. So I'll ask them what their UTR is. Um, now, maybe I'm starting to ask a little bit more what their WTN is. But if they don't know that, then I'm thinking, okay, probably junior development, not quite our high performance program, because you would probably know that if you're competing on a regular basis, it's hard not to know. And I've heard of what a UTR is, right? That type of thing. Uh, again, it's just to get this, get them on the radar. And then after that, invite them out to that particular program and have them, you know, just partake. I said, just bring your racket, be, be ready to train for the next two hours, and we'll see where you fit. Um, so I think that's how we use it. Um, if they tell me that they're 16 years old, it's a boy, and he's a 5'2 UTR. Okay, so I have a pretty good idea of where they're at, right? That's a local level six player for the most part. Um, they're not going to be competing at level fives and level fours and above. So I get an, an idea of where they're at. Then I'll invite them out and have a you know, take a look at them and see what their work ethic is like, what are their, you know, what's their technique looking like, what's their upside, you know, how many limitations could they possibly have, and then figure out whether we think that that's someone that's going to be a good fit for the program and vice versa, we're going to be a good fit for them. So using that example, Robert, I'm curious, have you ever had a player come out that has a pretty low UTR for their age? 
And maybe it's because they don't play a lot of tournaments. Maybe they're a multi-sport athlete. Maybe they're, you know, a musician or an artist um, as well as an athlete. And they come out and you're like, huh, okay, you know, this kid can play ball. Let's get them in our high level group. Right. Uh, So, yeah, no, absolutely. We have a kid right now who is probably the second best boy that we have in our program. Uh, Definitely got D3, you know, college tennis written all over him. Just turned 18. Came to us, as I saw him talk about this this morning, came to us as a 15-year-old playing tennis part-time and playing soccer full-time, travel soccer, the whole thing. Good athlete, really good wheels. And he decided at 15 that he wanted to become a tennis player full-time, stopped playing soccer started playing tennis and now he's a he's a 10 10 1 10 2 UTR um very bright kid goes to one of the better high school private schools here in the area um so yeah so absolutely that there there are kids that are like that um but i suppose that you'd have to have that that conversation like what are your goals like what do you want to do um if it's that you just want to continue to play tennis part time and continue to be a musician and continue to be, you know, a dual sport, triple sport athlete. That's all fine. Well, I encourage that you do whatever you think works best for you and your family, but this may not be the right program for you because the kids that are in this program are dedicated to, you know, reaching, they want to play level one nationals. That's their goal, whether they can achieve it or not. It's another story, but that's what they're striving for. Um, so we have a lot of, semi-private groups that we'll do around the program for kids that are a little bit more like that. They just don't want to make that commitment to it. But I feel that if you're going to be in a specific program, you have to have the goals that the program has and that the rest of the kids in that program have as well. Um, Otherwise, I think it makes it a little more difficult to kind of improve together um, when a kid's not playing and not competing that often, because that's going to reflect sooner or later in their performance, even in practice. Right, yeah. right. Todd, I, have you had similar things happen um, with your system where you've gotten kids where you see the UTR, you see the WTN, you see their USTA ranking or ITF ranking, and you're like, hmm. And then the kid gets there and you're surprised at how athletic they are, how quick they learn, pick up you know, the different nuances of tennis. Absolutely. I'd say it happens quite often, right? So that that's why, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with the UTR numbers. I, I actually don't pay attention to them. I mean, I have students, in fact, I have one main student, one of our full-timers that we call him data boy because he knows every time the rating, the ranking, the this, the that. So we call him, you know, Pierre calls him data boy, <laughs> right? So, you know, for me, you know, when, when a student comes to us the first time, they go through an assessment, and that's either private with myself or with Pierre. And the only thing that's going through my mind is, you know, how to train this particular individual and how to maximize, you know, their time with us for the given amount of time that they're going to spend with us. It could be a visitor for a certain amount of time, or it could be a potential full-timer. So that that's the only thing that's going through my mind. It could be a kid, a student that is very high ranked or or rated in the country. It could be a college player. It could be a professional player, right? The only thing that's going through my mind is how can I help this individual get better? The numbers, they don't really, you know, matter to me. And, you know, in my system, we're not taking on masses of students. So if a, if a player happens to come in, that's a little bit lower level. 
I have the staff where we can go through, you know, very, you know, very small little group or private attention for that individual so that we can, you know, get them up to a higher level, hopefully, you know, quicker than, than normal. Right. So, you know, that's really the way that I look at it. Love it. Robert, again, we're calling this how to game the ratings. Is there a way to game the ratings? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, what I've noticed, and Todd, I, I don't know, you know how you feel about it, is that when I see players that expose themselves to higher rated players, because, for example, UTR, one of the main differences from WTN is that UTR is more how many games did you win, right? Or how many games did you give up, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to affect your rating. Where with WTN, it's more based on wins and losses. Sets one, sets lost. Not so much. It doesn't make a difference in WTN if you lost seven five seven five or you lost six one six one. Whether you agree with that or not, that's beside the point. That's the way the system is, uh, or the platform has worked. So, um, I forgot the question now. I'm so sorry. Is there a way to game it? <laughs> oh, yeah. So is there? Yeah. So what I see players are doing, like you see some 15, 16 year old kids, they're going to play, let's say, the Battle of Boca, right, which is a weekly UTR event with prize money that has been basically become like the landing point for what I think is probably the best tennis in the state of Florida week to week, with the exception of maybe like the Orange Bowl coming up next month or the Eddie Her. Week in and week out, you're not going to find better competition than you're going to find at the Battle of Boca. So some kids will go there and let's say that they're a 7 UTR and he's a 15-year-old boy. And he's being exposed to some players that are 8s and 9s. And he's playing them relatively competitive, right, competitively. And I didn't win the match, but he managed to win six or seven games off that kid. And his rating is going to go up versus... That kid playing, I would say that that is more like a solid level six player or a level five player, right? And having to play kids that are either just below his UTR or her UTR or even or just above, where if you win, beat, or lose the, to those players, depending on how bad you lost, obviously, or how bad you beat them, uh, may not really affect your UTR that much. Mm-hmm. But from a developmental standpoint, could be much better for you because if, that's that's my theory. I mean, I, I'm more of a merit-based guy, you know, when it comes to my philosophy. If you want to get into the top tournaments, well, earn your way through, right? Don't game it. Don't go to Pittsburgh to go play and chase some points in Pittsburgh because the draws are easier than they are down here in South Florida. Because sooner or later, you're going to have to face the music, right? So, yeah, you got into the level two, but now what? You're Now you're playing the top kids in the country or you're playing in the level one. You got to the Easter Bowl. What'd you do? Are you just going for the t-shirt or are you going there to really perform, you know? So, but you can, I think, gain the system from what I've seen is like by exposing yourself to higher rated players. Now, obviously you got to be at least somewhat competitive against them. Right. Um, but I think that from that's, that's what I've seen is that that's one way to game. It. So in that scenario, um, gaming the system by exposing yourself to higher level players is really a growth opportunity as well. But doing that at the expense of never exposing yourself to players at or just below your level can also limit your overall development over the course of 
let's say age 10 to 18, because Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to beat kids that you're expected to beat, right? You have to develop that competitive muscle. So really, is it gaming the system to have your UTR go up when, as you say, you've now, okay, your UTR went up and you were accepted into this higher level tournament and you get there and you flounder because you really aren't at that level. Mm -hmm. Todd, is that you want to take that one? Sure. I'll be more than happy to. You know, I had this discussion with the students this morning. It's been raining. I'm sure it's raining in Miami. Actually, it hit you guys in Miami before it hit us a little yeah. further north. We're right? actually so, getting rain in SoCal today, too. So I don't know oh what my, the heck's going on. Oh, my good, Rainy in California. That's <laughs> yeah. that's weird. <laughs> you know, in this whole in this whole development thing, the beautiful thing that I feel, you know, about tennis is that it's an individual sport and you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, how am I going to get better, right? The best tennis players that I've had in my program, there was not even a discussion about a ranking or a rating. It was, what do I need to work on every single day to get better? And then when you're getting better, you're going to be beating players, and then you're ranking, rating, whatever you want to call it, whatever system, it's going to naturally go higher. Now, the parents and the kids, what I've heard over the last bunch of years is just utterly surprising, right? Todd, I'm an eight UTR. I'm playing a six. Should I play this tournament? I don't know if I should play. I mean, if, if I happen to lose a certain amount of games, you know, I might, I might, you know, my, my rating, you know, is going to go down. And the, the only thing that comes to my mind when I start hearing these things is number one, that's not a positive way to think about it. Number two, you're, you're chicken, you're, you're scared shitless, right? No offense, sorry. But uh, that is not the mentality of someone who's a go-getter that is going to go out there and kick butt and is, and is getting better and they're going after it, right? And so if it's coming from a parent, I'm thinking to myself, man, what is that doing to the child, right? That's not showing your child that I believe in you. You're doing great go out there and kick butt, right? It's the other way. And so, you know, I have trouble relating to that because that was never really the case. You know, when 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 Pierre was was putting me in tournaments and he says it, he says, "Todd, I made sure that you were solid and when I put you in a tournament, you know, you were ready to go really far in that tournament, right? Quarter, semis, finals, win the thing, whatever it was." And and sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't, but I was ready to compete. I was trained and ready to go. And so the things I'm hearing today, I mean, it's not, it's just not a high level, you know, mentality. Right. And, and it's just, it's just surprising. It's, it's, it's utterly shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah. So Robert, I want to go back to your role as a a talent ID person, for lack of a better term um, with USTA. Does WTN, UTR, USTA ranking come into play at all when you are deciding who to bring in for additional high-level training? Yeah. So we call that player ID, first of all. Okay. Um, and no, absolutely. I mean, you know, you, you got to get kids on the radar, right? You got to like figure, get them on a list. So obviously we're going to take a look at the top 50 players in a particular section. 
by ranking. So at least start grouping them up. We look at them by date of birth. You know, we're looking at the 2009s or the 2008s, 2010s, whatever the case might be. And then, you know, prior to the camp, we figure out, okay, how many of each birth year do we want, you know, in, in that, in that grouping. So we take a look at who we think are, uh, the, at least the highest ranked players. Of course, then we put the WTNs next to them. We kind of get an idea where they are level-wise because you might have a kid that is only, let's say, 40th in the state, uh, but their WTN or UTR is more like top 20 in the state. They just haven't maybe played enough tournaments or they just age from the 10s and they're catching up, whatever the case might be, right? Or they just moved out of the 12s and now they're playing in the 14s, so their ranking isn't quite where it is, but their level's still quite good, Right. Um, but then we we also um, you know go to the coaches commission. We uh, you know I've got a really good network of coaches throughout the entire state, and uh, ask them to take a look at some of these players and can they identify some players that might be under the radar? You know uh, maybe they don't have the the funds you know the means to be able to get out there and play that many tournaments or to get a lot of coaching. Uh, but their parents are both really good athletes. Maybe one of them was a former player. Uh, which I think, you know, is also, you know, very often, a, you know, a good thing. Um, and hey, can you identify maybe some of these wildcard kids, you know, that that really need to be looked at that uh, might that might be get uh, that might get missed, you know, that type of thing. So we rely on the coaches to take a look at that and say, hey, you know what? I saw this kid at a tournament. They just moved into the section not too long ago. Looks like they don't have a tremendous amount of money. They're, they're pretty limited on how many tournaments they can play or the kid takes one less than a month. Um, maybe this is someone that you may want to take a look at and, uh, you know, plant some seeds with that, them and their family. Right. And my takeaway from everything you just said is that yes, ratings and rankings come into consideration, but by no means are they the sole determining factor of whether a player has potential to develop to a very high level if provided with the appropriate circumstances, meaning coaching, opportunities to compete, yada, yada, yada. And again, this is why I I really am hoping that our audience is hearing that when you focus solely on ratings and rankings without using that as part of an overall developmental plan that lasts years, not months, not weeks, years, even, you know, a decade, maybe. Mm -hmm. You are doing such a disservice to this player because you're shortchanging them in terms of opportunities that they may get if you, instead of focusing on ratings and rankings, you focus on work ethic, you focus on mindset, you focus on commitment to a goal, you focus on daily improvement, you focus on, you know, setting small goals for each match that you play, and then analyzing whether or not you achieved those small goals, or at least made steps towards achieving those small goals. I mean, there's so many parts of this whole puzzle, which makes it so fascinating, but also really frustrating a lot of times too. Yeah, no, 100%. You're you're, you're spot on. I mean, it's it's like the non-negotiables. Right, that we that we set forth in our program, you know, a being on time, right? If you're not early, you're late. Work ethic, effort, right? Coachability, implementation of what you're being asked to do. Those are certain things that 
sportsmanship. You just have to do. And then if you look at the big umbrella word, it's about character, right? Ultimately, that's what really needs to be nurtured again and again, those family values, the program values, um, because I really believe that without that, I, you better be one heck of a freaking talent to overcome a lack of character, which goes with the will, the commitment, the work ethic, and all those other things that, you know, the, the dexterity that you need to be able to take a punch in this sport. You do a lot of losing, right? You look at the guy who's 10th in the world. How many tournaments did he actually win this year? Right? Two, maybe. But, you know, he's making good runs, but he's losing 20 times, 25 times. If that kid or that player doesn't know how to lose and bounce back, then they're going to have a difficult time really reaching the top. And I think going back to the college, you know, what are college coaches looking at? Yeah, sure. Of course, they need to get you on the radar. Right. But that's something else that they look at is can you play two to three dual matches a week? And if you take a loss playing number four, what do you like when you've got to come back and play two days later against an SEC, you know, really tough conference? Are you going to be able to bounce back and be of value to us? Or are you going to start sulking and you're not used to losing and you were a hot shot back where you, wherever you were in your section or at your program, you were the best, but here you're part of the pack, you know, and you're not, you're not necessarily that prince that, uh, that Todd was uh, was referring to you know earlier. You know, nobody's making a fuss about you. Yeah, Todd. Now yeah. I know why you wanted me to meet Robert because um, you know one of the messages that I try to reinforce through this podcast and all the other stuff that I do with parents is the number one goal from the parents' point of view where we sit is to raise good humans and to have a great relationship with our child at the end of this tennis thing, right? Everything else is gravy. You know, if your kid wins a tournament, woohoo. If your kid is number one in your section, woohoo. If they get recruited to a top school, woohoo. But the main goal is to have a great relationship with them and to help them become a great human being. So, Todd, thank you for connecting us um, because I, I always love surrounding myself and exposing our audience to coaches who share that goal of character development and relationship development. And the tennis is secondary. I mean, it's your job as coaches to develop these kids into the best tennis players they can become. But it seems to me that both of you feel very strongly that it is also your job to instill great character into the players that cross your paths. So I want to just acknowledge that and thank you both for making that a priority when you're working with these children, because so many people forget that piece of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you know, I love talking to Robert about is that, you know, many times we're very much on the same page about how we're going to bring up tennis players. And he knows the two Argentine gentlemen very well that brought me up through, you know, from when I was six to when I retired from the the tour at 26. So, he, he, you know, unfortunately one passed away when I was 15, but, you know, he understands, you know, the upbringing, you know, in, from my home and then as well as carrying on to, you know, the tennis academy that I was brought up in. Right. So we see things, I think, very eye to eye. Yeah. So, Todd, I just want to give you a chance to chime in on this whole idea of gaming 
the rankings and ratings. In your mind, what does that look like? Is it even possible? And what are, you know, maybe some of the benefits or the the negatives of trying to game the system? Well, you know, I mean, I think, you know, maybe the parents and the kids, you know, they're smart, right? And 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 they're they're trying to like maybe you know, maneuver the system, beat the system, right? And in tennis, you're exposed all the time, right? You, you can't hide, right? I have two really good friends of mine played in the NHL and 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 one gentleman we train his two daughters and you know, his daughter was having a tough moment, attitude, this, that. I was letting her have it a little bit, you know, telling her what this is about and, you know, all those coaching things, right? And, you know, he, you know, he said, in hockey, I would just go down to the end of the bench and kind of hide. Not in tennis. Yeah. Not, not in tennis. You know, you have a tough day. You're going to probably take a loss or, you know, you're not going to walk out of that training arena feeling good about yourself. But in the team sports – you know, it's definitely different, but I think that's what's so beautiful about tennis. You can't hide, you know, whether that player is training well and improving and right, all these things. And so you can't, you can't try to, you know, beat the system, maneuver the system, the college coaches, their job is, you know, to get the best candidate for their team. Right. And so, you know, it was always, you know, the mentality was, you know, work harder, look yourself in the mirror. What do I need to get better at? What failed in my last tournament? Go back to training. This is exactly what I spoke about with the students in my system this morning because we had a little discussion because it's been raining. And before they did the fitness, you know, we spoke for quite a, quite a few minutes about what we're talking about right now, right? You know, you got to be honest with yourself. And I believe that all these skills, you know, that, that the kids are learning are going to carry on post tennis. And I think it's beautiful. And when I look back on, you know, not only my parenting, but also, you know, my coaching, you know, it's, it's, it was tremendous for me, right. That, you know, I had these individuals, you know, to, to really help and guide me throughout, you know, throughout my childhood. And to hold you accountable, right? I mean, you've talked about that quite a bit. And when your mom was on the podcast years ago, we talked about that too, is, you know, part of the coach's job and and the parent's job for sure is to hold our children accountable when they aren't doing the things that they've committed to do. And so, as you're saying, even if you're trying to game the system, there's no way to hide. Your, your UTR may go up momentarily, but as soon as you're put in a situation where you're playing a player who truly is that level, and you can't hang with them effectively, you're now being held accountable for having gamed the system, right? So this is why it's it's all about getting 1% better every time you work on your tennis, whether it's a rain day and you're doing fitness or you're reading a book about the mental side of the game or tactics, um, or whether you're on the court actually hitting balls, Every time you work on your tennis, if you get 1% better, that 1% snowballs and all of a sudden you don't have to game the system because your racket's doing the talking for you. No. Right. Absolutely. You know, part of the discussion this morning also was about, you know, about 
quality time on the court, right? And so, you know, Robert, you know, he has some homeschooled students, like he said, but he runs an after-school program. I told the kids this morning, understand that, you know, you guys are with us, you know, every single day, four to five hours training, homeschool, the whole thing. That does not ensure you're going to get better. It does not. Okay, just because you moved to Florida and you joined my system and I put these coaches that I believe are incredible, right? They trained me or they trained under me, right? I said, that does not ensure that you're going to become a better player. Now, here's how you get better. You're honest with yourself. You take our information. You learn at every tournament what went well, what didn't go well. You're fully engaged at all times and you're training and you're applying what you're being taught. You guys will be just fine. Now, if it's any other way, now the 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 improvement will be slower, right? You're, you'll get better, but maybe not at the rate that you would like. So now you guys are accountable. Right. Right. I love that. Robert, you talked about um, earlier that, you know, that these that the ratings are are reflections and and you can kind of use them to gauge if you're getting better, you know, if your numbers are going up or not going up. Um, mm-hmm. But as Todd's saying, there are situations where you're going to have that outlier, right? That kid that's just an incredible athlete and you know, they may not be technically perfect. They may not look great on the court, but by God, they're going to win every match they play. I have actually a woman on my, my women's league team. That's like that. Um, Mm -hmm. She's, she just doesn't lose. And, and it doesn't matter how, what she has to do within the rules. Of course, she's a great sport, but um, she just doesn't lose. And every now and then you get a young player that's like that. But for the most part, these kids have to go through each step of the process in order to reach these goals. And um, I'm wondering if you have any last words of wisdom to share with our audience about why we need to kind of set aside looking at the ratings and rankings. And you've already said, delete the apps off your phone. And I love that. Um, but any, any other words of wisdom to share before we wrap this thing up? Yeah. So I think if, uh, if, if I was a parent and I, you know, I I saw that my child had some ability and that they really had a passion for the sport, the first thing that I feel that they should probably do is to find a place that has a history, a track record for developing some players. Once you've identified a couple of those places, I think you need to find someone that wants to work and cares about your kid. I think to me, that's probably the number one factor in seeing that my kid's going to be looked after, right? Because the coach may know a lot, has a great track record, has gold balls coming out of his ears, you know, all the past players that he's worked with. But if he or she doesn't really care about your kid, then it's not really going to, doesn't really make that much of a difference, you know? So you can have someone that maybe doesn't have quite the track record. So someone that's trying to cut their teeth, they're 24, 25, um, they're wanting to make their bones, you know, and they really have taken a shine to your kid and they really are interested in helping them out um, and then monitor it and then let them, let them do their job, you know, let them work with them. 
Um, make sure that your kid is, is very coachable, that they check off all those boxes, all those um, non-negotiables that I said, make sure that those are all taken care of, that uh, hopefully they're being inspired, right, uh, to get better. Um, I don't know about how much motivation, like you always hear, oh, that coach is such a great motivator. Mm. I think that those types of coaches, with the ones that are identified as that, is that they're they're good at like surrounding themselves with people that are motivated. So it makes them look like they're great motivators, but they just have a good eye for picking out the right kid that, okay, that kid's ambitious. That kid wants to be good. Um, and once the, you you found that, let them do their thing. Spot check, you know, always keep an eye on things. You know, I think it's just in your best interest to, but don't hang on the fence. Don't sit there from the beginning of the practice to the end of the practice. Um, don't open up a conversation with, I'm not gonna be one of those parents, you know, that type of thing, because almost always you are one of those parents. Um, you know, that's, you know, I, here's a suggestion, that type of thing. But, you know, you also need a coach that's willing to work with the parent as well, because it does take that, that pyramid, right? That triangle to make sure that everyone's working together because I can't do it by myself. Todd can't do it on his own, right? Unless the kid's going to live with you, you know, full time, which have we've done before, right? Um, uh, you need that parent in, in your corner and they need to make sure that they're following up and not undoing all the good work that you did Monday through Friday on Saturday, you know, by saying and doing the wrong thing. So it's, a, you know, you, you got to kind of nurture them along as well and educate the parents as well. Yeah, love that. Todd, any last words of wisdom to share with us? I mean, that was very well said, Robert. <laughs> to follow what you just said, tough Sorry. to do. Right? <laughs> Sorry <laughs> to make you go second. It's nice. great that you it's great that you came on, man. I, I love it. It's it's been great. I have great discussions with Robert Robert periodically about tennis. But you know, the the main one of the main things about, you know, the the, the ratings, the rankings, I think is you know, I think from the parents to the to the children is to think more high level, right? Is to you know, like when when, when you have kids that are stopping matches or you know for their for their rating or kids that are you know quitting or dodging tournament matches and this and that that is just not high level. It's not going to work out well, right? That that's not the way to do this, right? If you know, and coming through the the two Argentines. The whole thing was, if you're going to do this, we're going to do it right or we're not going to do it at all. And that was from my parents as well as the coaches. If you do it, you do it at 100% and you see how far you can take it. If not, then it's not worth doing this. Mm -hmm. I agree with that too. And, and I will say again, this isn't for every kid. It isn't right. for every tennis player. There right. are kids who yes. play tennis for social contact, for physical activity, because they love the game, but don't necessarily have the aspirations to play in college or play a high level of college tennis or even to play tournaments. And there are opportunities for kids with that approach to the game to continue to play and learn and have fun and become lifelong players. And I want to encourage all the parents out there to continue having these conversations with your child. Make sure that this is still what they want. Just because at age eight, they said they wanted to be number one in the world at tennis doesn't mean at age 15, that's still the goal. And you have got to keep revisiting 
these goals, these these commitments to training, to playing tournaments, the financial commitment, all of it is not a one time we had this conversation eight years ago. Therefore, this is still the situation, right? Things change. People change. Situations change. So keep those lines of communication open. Um, with your child, also with the coach. And Robert, I love what you said about, you know, that the coaches have got to make time for the parents because let's face it, we're the ones writing the check. We're the ones driving the kids to practice. We're typically the ones taking them to tournaments. So having that open communication with the coaches is crucial for everybody's happiness and for the overall development and long-term growth and happiness of these players. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Todd Whittem, Robert Gomez. Loved having you on. What a great way to kick off season 13 of the Parenting Aces podcast. Can't wait to get you back. Robert, best of luck with Junior Orange Bowl. Again, as I said, we're recording this before the tournament. It's airing after the tournament. So um, can't wait to hear how, how it goes. Todd, I'm sure I'll see you back 12 times in the next year because <laughs> we always have stuff to talk about. And Robert, you are you have an open invitation to join us anytime. Would love to get you Thank back you. on. Thank you very much. I can't can't wait for the next one. Absolutely. To my audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.